You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. There and hand over the toe. Well, I did what I had to do because that was right. Carol Midbath, right? Well, thank you. First of all, I'm just happy to be here. You know, today was, you know, I'm used to crack about not having won the world heavyweight title. Hey, would you take a look in the National Enquirer this week? Has some wrestling news in there. Well, I went down to the store and I bought one, and as I looked through it, <laughs> out proclaimed the million dollar champion, Andy Biasi, a man who overcame. Thursday night, November the 7th, shot at the title. Oh, shot at the title. <laughs> there isn't nobody in the whole wide world that doesn't figure I can't beat Holman. Legends. Let's rethink this. You're muted, dummy. I can't it didn't come off. Wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of Legends. Let's rethink this. Tonight, we have a special guest with us in the house. He is all the talk in the wrestling world right now after making his return to Impact Wrestling this past Sunday night, Mr. Nick Aldis. Gentlemen, how are we Nick, doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Oh, no worries. I, I'm running on fumes a little bit, but uh, I'll, I'll try to dig deep for you. <laughs> well, I'm sure you on fumes is better than us at full strength. So, yeah. oh, we'll see. We'll see. First and foremost, I mean, all the, the rage in wrestling right now is the return of the former Impact World Heavyweight Champion to Impact Wrestling. Nick Aldis, you came back at Rebellion this past Sunday night, did a great job on color commentary, we all thought. Oh, thank and you. then at, at the end of the show, you had a little face-off with Steve Macklin in the ring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us, what's going on in the world of Nick Aldis? Well, um, we had been, you know, chatting back and forth uh, for a little while now, uh, Impact and I. Um, and then um, the opportunity presented itself. And, and um, it's, uh, you know, we, we were all very much on the same page and we were all excited about it. So, uh, and so then we, 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 you know, we shook hands and we, we made a, we made an agreement and, uh, I was set to start rebellion. And then, um, with, uh, obviously people know that, um, Josh Alexander got hurt and obviously Mickey got hurt. So there was a lot of sort of speculation and extenuating circumstances anyway, but, uh, it's sort of tied in quite well, um, because, you know, it was sort of agreed upon that I would come back and immediately kind of state my intention to, to be in the mix for the world title. So uh, it was a, a very fun way to sort of get stuck in. Um, tremendously uh, grateful uh, to Impact for showing me that sort of level of respect. Um, and uh, so now it's, you know, now the... The responsibility is mine to, um, you know, to, to prove them right. Yeah. And the, the, the news broke, I think I read it today, that it looks like Macklin's first feud and impact is actually going to be with PCO. So hopefully we're getting uh, 
some some Aldis and Macklin shortly thereafter. Well, I think look, you know, we that that seed has been planted, and uh, you know, the I, I'm I'm actually getting um, sort of my first uh, in person experience of you know Steve Macklin, and uh, so it's it's um, it's very cool to to sort of get to be there for his you know big opportunity, his sort of level up moment because you know I remember what it was like to you know to to sort of get the shot right get getting the world title and it's uh you know it, it's it's a very very key point in your career you know it's sort of um it really it really it's time to get serious you know and and to realize that you you've got an opportunity here to sort of establish yourself for a long time to come but you know it's on you now to sort of deliver the goods at that at that sort of main event level well, I can't wait to see what is in store for you with Impact and uh, FFP. We like to do some trips and go to some shows, and we definitely are going to have to try and catch Nick Aldis in the ring so we can uh, boo and cheer and hold yeah. Well, look, I will, I'll say this: I, I was um, I was really, really impressed with the the level of production at Rebellion. I thought mm. that I thought that venue was fantastic, and you know the 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 production level uh, impact has just steadily just improved, you know, incrementally. And it's like, you, you can really feel it hitting their stride now with, with packages and their entrances. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's been really cool to sort of see that. And uh, Eric Tompkins, who's uh, I've known since I was in impact the first go around, he's, he's one of the guys who was there, uh, you know, before in the previous administration, um, you know, getting to work with him again right out of the shoot is really fun because we already know each other and we sort of understand each other and, and how, like how, how I want to be presented and how they want to sort of tell their stories. And it's, it's just really cool to sort of collaborate with this team because it's, uh, sort of really, really positive energy. Like the, the, um, the overwhelming feeling, you know, in the, in the dressing room impact is that, there's forward momentum and the guys are all sort of striving to, you know, build something together. Um, you know, a healthy competitiveness, don't get me wrong, but that's, but that sort of, Hey, we're here to do business. You know, we're like, we're here to sort of build this, you know, build this up together so that it's a, you know, another great place to work. It's, it's, it's fun being part of that atmosphere again. Yeah. So this was the first impact event I've watched in a long time and actually last week on our filter free podcast we actually did an impact episode from 2014 featuring featuring a very young and stout Nick Aldis as Magnus you were in the uh the main event of the television program with Kurt Angle and Abyss who and you guys were wrestling aces and eights, so it was it was a very aces and eights uh, dominated television show. Yeah, back in the Hulk Hogan, Brooke Hogan days. Yeah, yeah. So it was a uh, we enjoyed it. Kind of had forgotten how much talent was actually on the roster with Impact yeah. back then. It's, I mean, um, it, it was stacked. Well, one of the things that I'm looking forward to uh, in 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 coming back and working with Impact is, um applying some of the lessons I've learned, you know, from the last five years, 
but now being able to apply it to impact and their history because you know at this point you're talking about a 20 year legacy with a who's who in the industry you know there's there's a lot to build off of there uh, a lot of guys origin stories you know are either like either begin there or they weave their way through there um and you know the i know everyone knows obviously there's been some administrative changes and you know changes in ownership and stuff like that um but the impact wrestling property you know you're now talking about you know their fingerprints are all over the entire industry right so it's it, it's fun to be able to to sort of take my approach that i've been that you know that's been that's worked for me somewhere else and now see how i can sort of connect connect that into the impact sort of mainframe does that make sense you know it's just a very sort of interesting challenge to sort of go you know let's 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 remind people just what it is we're working with here like let's you know let's if you believe it they believe it let's give it to them yeah and you you took your initial run with impact and i mean you really made a name for yourself i mean you were a dominant nwa world heavyweight champion you headlined the first all-in with cody rhodes who just headlined wrestlemania so, yeah, I mean, we all know that Nick Aldis is a name in the business. That's that's you know, you're you're head above heels uh, above a lot of people. And I mean, I think it's a big signing for Impact to get you. Uh, I I'm just I'm excited to see where it goes. And because you are now back with Impact, I'm going to start paying more attention to Impact. Because it it just it seems right now's the time. Like you said, there's a lot of young, really competitive guys there and girls. So I mean, they had a yeah. uh, Deanna Perrazzo and Jordan, Jordan Grace, Grace put know, on that, a hell of a match. That knockouts, that knockouts division is uh, right. very very strong. Like that that is world class. You know, so the whole roster is world class. I mean, there's like there's a, a, a ton of talent, and again, a really good mix of veterans and young guys and a lot of the vets that are there, you know, you're talking, I mean, think, especially when you talk about like the machine guns and people like that, like their fingerprints are all over the modern industry. Yeah, they've been there for, for they, years. Like, yeah. Well, and, but a, a lot of, a lot of top guys in other promotions were borrowing from them, you know, and they, but they're still operating at that high level. You know, it's like that there's, Oh, I, well, that's one of the things that I'm most excited about is just the, is the roster, you know, cause that's it. It's like, it's, it's when I, when, when I'm looking around, I'm going, like, who can I work with? Right. Like who, who can, you know, who can I get in there and mix it up with, you know, with impact man, there's, there's a lot. And I, I can't wait to get stuck in. Yeah. Well, we're here for it. So you'll, you'll have your supporters from FFP and it's something that we're going to look forward to talking about on our, our other shows. Yeah, because I mean, you're a, you're a big name in wrestling, and uh, a lot of people are super excited. You, obviously, no, you know, you coming back, we, we immediately went to Twitter to to see the reaction that you got, and Twitter was blowing up with Nick Aldis has returned. So you were trending. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, you so, know, look, I obviously have a. I think like most like most um, wrestlers, I think we we you know we have a 
a sort of necessary evil sort of relationship with social media, right? Like we all, we take part in it, but we also try to, I mean, I, I can, only, I, I certainly myself, I, I tend to uh, try to limit uh, the amount of time I spend uh, reading other people's opinion of me <laughs> uh, because it's, it's, you know, at some point you've just got to feel it and, you know, you know, when, you know, you know, when you're heading in the right direction, you know, when you've got positive momentum, you know, when, you know, you're, you're on the front foot and, and you just got to trust your gut. But having said that, uh, it, it, you know, it certainly seemed that, uh, the, there was a, a very, you know, overwhelmingly positive response online. So I appreciate that. Uh, and again, um, it's now, you know, the responsibility is now on me to do whatever I can to justify that, right. Not, not just to the audience, but also to impact for, for, you know, giving me the opportunity. Yeah. And well, and not only that, but you're, you're going to get a, a much bigger spotlight now. Once again, the spotlight that you probably deserve. So, but there, there's two other lingering questions. Number one, how's Mickey? We hope that she's well and can't wait to see her back in the ring. She is doing well. She, I, I wouldn't want to put a number on it percentage wise, but uh, she's certainly um, not in any pain or discomfort anymore with her rib. It was just, it was in a very awkward spot, which made it sort of difficult uh, to heal and, you know, made it difficult for her to avoid uh, aggravating it. So it took a bit longer than we anticipated for it to heal, but, uh now it looks good and it looks like she'll be clear you know it within weeks awesome news awesome i know a lot of people were worried about that so that's good to hear and number two i looked on your twitter the other day and i think it was last weekend did you run it back with tim, tim storm again last weekend i did run it back with tim. how was it yeah it was special um and i think because it was in texas as well you know and i you know, there was part of me that had always wanted to do that one more match with Tim in Texas. I'd always had this sort of bug in my in my in the back of my brain about doing it at the school where he teaches. You know, and and having the you know basically the audience be all be his kids and and you know trying to figure out a way to sort of tell that story and tie all that in with you know with video packages and all that stuff that you know that we did so well at that point. Um, uh, you know, and just never happened. So it was cool to at least get more of a sort of, hey, let's run it back. And and uh, uh, on a personal level, I adore Tim Storm. He's uh, uh, just a first class human being. And it's, um, you know, just as a just as a guy, I'm just I was just excited that I was going to get a chance to, you know, hang out with him and shoot the breeze with him and, you know chill afterwards and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, but very, very happy to, to have been able to mix it up with Tim again. Good. Yeah, I saw that tweet and I was like, damn, man, I really would like to see this. So that's awesome. I'm glad it was a good time. Yeah. You I mean, I, did, though, right? I, mean, I still razzed him mercilessly about his age because that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. So, so who, who went over? I was going to say, <laughs> who went over, right? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I got screwed is what happened <laughs> right. Right. he he, tur he turned on me hit me with a cricket bat oh no cricket bat. <laughs> he hit me with a damn hit me with a damn cricket bat in texas yeah where did he get one 
Because for, from a, uh, it's a long story. They said, "My God, where did he get that fat baseball bat from?" Yeah, that, yeah, I'm sure they had no clue what it was. Well, I call shenanigans, so we yeah, run it, it back again. British beat and stick. <laughs> That's All right. Funny. Well, everybody, we are here with Nick Aldis tonight to discuss something that we brought up on our podcast. Hulk Hogan's dominant run in the WWF in the 80s. So we kind of think Vince might have painted himself into a corner, building Hulk Hogan up as such a dominant face for the company. And so we kind of wanted to discuss that tonight on this show and bring in somebody who was a great heel champion of his own to talk about some of the heels that the WWF had in the 80s and early 90s and, and how this could have been woven into a better story and not just been Hulkamania for years and years and years and years. Nine. Nine years. And, and more. So, All right, interesting. So to get started, we all know Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden to win the WWF championship in January of 84. Now we're going to start off a little bit before that. Bob Backlund is who the Iron Sheik beat for that championship. And Bob Backlund won that belt in February of 1978. So he lost to the Iron Sheik in December of 83. So going forth for five years and 10 months, Bob Backlund was the WWW and WWF champion. The Iron Sheik went over. It was obviously he was a transition champion is what they they, they kind of call it. And his official reign was 28 days before losing that belt to Hulk Hogan. Now, I was probably one of the biggest Hulkamaniacs in the world at the time and had no issue seeing Hulk Hogan go over every time he got into the ring back as a kid. But it's obvious that the WWF was booked towards children. Because if we run this back the opposite way and start talking about the NWA, your vast majority of champions were all heels, especially with Ric Flair. Mm -hmm. So, TJ, let's start out in 1985. So Hulk Hogan has now been the champion for a good 14 months here. Let's start out at WrestleMania 1, 1985. Uh, first of all, 85, great year. This was, I was born the day after WrestleMania 1. But uh, before we start with WrestleMania 1, I think it's important to start with the war to settle the score. With So this was actually one of the few Piper Hogan singles title matches in the time frame, at least that was televised. And this was on February 18th, 1985. It was actually, so this show was one month before WrestleMania, it was in Madison Square Garden. They still sold 22,000 tickets, um, which is extraordinary if you think about it. That doesn't happen very often. The only televised match was Hogan and Piper, and Hogan won by DQ. So once you go by from this, this was, of course, was on MTV. Then you go to WrestleMania 1, and that sets up Piper and Orndorff with Bob Orton against Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. And it's we all know how this worked out all the all the pageantry with uh, Muhammad Ali and and Billy Martin was out there and Liberace and it, it's it was a tremendous spectacle but I, I feel like we never got any closure here with Hogan and Piper this was pretty much it 
Uh, they didn't feud too much longer after this. Uh, Mr. T moved on to Piper. And Hogan, as we'll get into, moved on to actually a couple different people before the following WrestleMania. Nick, what are your thoughts on Rowdy Roddy Piper? Well, I, I love Piper. Um, I think he's I think he's got to be up. I think he's really got to be in anybody's top 10 promos of all time. Um, I won't, I won't debate on, you know, who's one, two, three, et cetera, but he's got to be in, the, you know, he's got to be top 10 talkers of all time. I mean, just the, the mo when you talk about someone who committed to their persona, you know, who just completely believed a hundred percent in what they were doing and you never saw even a flicker of, self-doubt or second-guessing hesitation you never saw any of that with piper he was so 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 committed and believed so deeply in who he was and it just that, that's what you know made him so memorable um but when you're talking about you know hogan and, and piper the you know the that rivalry that you know it's sort of a double-edged sword because the thing that made that rivalry so good so electric right so palpable you know just so, so head and shoulders above any other feud that was going on at that time is also the same reason why it had to be short and probably wasn't gonna go on and on and on because one it was legit right it was a legit sort of rivalry and beef and heat between those guys mm -hmm. and because Piper wasn't about to, you know, didn't want to put Hogan over. And from, you know, from what it seems, it seems like, you know, Vince and everybody else really didn't want to, you know, Hogan to put Piper over. So it's sort of like you're going to reach an impasse. Yeah. Because they've both decided that, uh, you know, doing the honor, doing the honors isn't going to be good for their business. So it's kind of like it, it just, they had to move on because neither one of them was going to budge. It was all count outs and disqualifications. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that was way more common than people realize. Right. And it wasn't this thing today. Well, one, because the fans weren't talking about it, but also because, um, you know, there wasn't this sort of, uh, people just respected that about, the guys because it was also what made them draws and what made them feel special because they they sort of policed themselves in terms of like hey like i know who i am like and i'm you know harley race and flair you know dusty i mean these you know all of these guys would were, were the same they were they were go you know they, they were all looking out for their own brand Right. But they're all working in the marketplace together. And sometimes that means that a deal can be done and sometimes it can't just like in any other business. It's only in the it's only in like the more recent past that that suddenly become this like controversial thing like, oh, they can't agree. And, you know, da da da. because back in the day, there was no like one man whose word was final. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was there was lots of politicking. Well, there was in a promotion. Bill Watts, you know, he, he, Bill Watts got what Bill Watts wanted. But what I'm saying is that if you if you still didn't want to, you know, 
if you still couldn't comply, then you could just move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could go somewhere else. It wasn't like the end of your career. Well, that's probably you why know? they all book themselves as the so you draw. That, Bill yeah. Watts so you have, and Vern Gagne. And- yeah, when you when you sort of go back and talk about this stuff, you have to take that into consideration because it's a massive part of the context. Like it's it, it, the culture that existed then was so so different than the culture that exists today. You know, um, you know, especially even with like contracts, even you know, like I think people would be surprised at how loosely. <laughs> You know how loose a lot of these agreements were. You know, even with so much on the line and so, you know, so much at stake, particularly for Vince when he's gambling so much on WrestleMania and you know, sort of all that. I mean, it's that they were not as buttoned up legally, you know, as they are today. So it's fascinating. Um, I don't, I don't know if I've ever. I don't know if I've ever really fully understood. I don't know if anyone does why New York ended up being so, you know, heavily a babyface territory. I've never, I, I, all I can, all I can surmise is that Bruno was just so successful and so popular and became such a cultural fixture of New York, right? Like that, it just sort of permeated the New Yorker's spirit. And so that became, but that, that's what wrestling was to those people. Wrestling was, hey, we go and our hero wins at the end of the day. You know, like, that's what we like. We're winners. You know, I can only assume that it's because, you know, maybe it's part of that New York mentality, you know, because if anyone who's been to New York knows that, you know, New Yorkers are proud about being New Yorkers. Like, they do have this sort of spirit of like, you know, we can roll up our sleeves, we can do it. Like, we're, you know, we're a success. So I wonder if that played into it, but that's the thing. That's one of the things I love about this business is I like trying to reverse engineer this stuff and psychoanalyze it because at the end of the day, that's what this business is. It's psychology. You know, you're, you're, you're playing with people's emotions to try to achieve a certain business result. So it's, it's fascinating to me to reverse engineer this stuff and go, why did that work? Well, I think, I think you said it best when you said it happened more often than people would realize, because back in that day, the result was not necessarily what the people were there to see. They were there to see the match, right? They didn't care who, I mean, they wanted to cheer somebody, but if it ended up, you know, the promoter would find a way to send them home happy. Yeah. It wasn't always necessarily a one, two, three pin. Right. People weren't people weren't hanging their expectations on the outcome of, of all the matches and, and sitting there going, oh, I can't believe they're burying so-and-so, you know, cause they lost one match, you know, but let, let's not, let's not get into that. But Jesus H Christ, everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone just take a fucking step back and chill out. Enjoy the show. Jesus. He's fine. <laughs> Trust me. Fucking yeah, I, th- I think the fans probably care way dollars, more than the millions of dollars in a bus. Yeah, the, the fans care way more <laughs> than the wrestlers do. And selling merch, selling merch left and right, and being presented as like the biggest deal in the business. He's fine, guys. Cody, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> from there we move on. Now that we got, got that out of the way, um, 
I think the other thing, uh, the other thing that's important for context when you to go back and talk about this stuff is like the the long title reigns. Again, it wasn't necessarily something people were talking about, right? Like wrestling fans who were all getting together and going like, "Oh, we're going to go to the garden this week and see Bruno." They weren't going like, "Hey, did you know that it's been four hundred <laughs> <laughs> Like, they weren't doing that. I don't think they were. I mean, I I wasn't there. All, yeah. all the rage now is that Roman Reigns has to hold it for like what is it another five years to match Bruno's reign? Right, Could you and imagine like, everybody sorry. would go absolute batshit crazy. You realize that people like that back then they saw you know they 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 saw Bruno defend the title. I, I don't know, probably about the same like I don't know a few times a year. You know, they, this is a, like they they built to it and. In the meantime, he did he, he didn't really see him wrestle at all on TV, right? So, it, yeah. So, it, it, like, and people just they didn't think of wrestling that same way. They weren't sitting there going like, "Oh, I, I he's gonna he's feuding with so and so." It was just more like, "Oh, here are the matches at the Garden this week," or you know, like, "Here's what happened," and you know, "Oh, who, who's he wrestling?" Ooh. I don't like the look of him. I'm going to go cheer for Bruno, right? Like it was a bit more casual. Well, a lot more casual, I think. So the the the, the title wasn't this. It wasn't necessarily this um, this thing that the thing that it is today, right? In terms of like the significance to the show, it wasn't. It, well, there wasn't this constant fascination of like who's going to be champion next, and it was like like you said, they, Timmy. They came to see a contest between two guys they cared about. And then with Bruno, it was like, because he was the number one, he, he's the champion too. You know, like he's the best. I think back then they were just kind of, they wanted to see Bruno wrestle whatever new heel it was they came up with. It wasn't right. about who, who was winning. It was about, we want to see Bruno because we assume he's going to win. We want to see how he fares against. Yeah. Villa that, A that, or whatever. That's the thing. I I think I remember it's I was talking about this on Sam Roberts show when I did his when I did his show. Um I remember we were discussing sort of the difference in mentality of like of the of the fan when it comes to a heel territory or a babyface territory. And it's like to be honest, I don't know how much of it was, you know, engineered and how much of it was more just doing what good promoters did back then, which was just sort of listening to the people, feeling where they were at, and then just kind of adapting and steering the ship towards, you know, what they were obviously reacting to. Because it's like, if you were, you know, Jim Crockett and you have, and Ric Flair comes along and just, you know, just totally just, (laughs) Rick in that period was so untouchable, right? Particularly on television. Correct. It's like you're going to figure out a way to make to anchor the whole deal around him, right? Like you're just going to find a way because you're just going like, holy shit, this guy is special. But you know, with Bruno, if you're Vince McMahon Senior, you're you're doing the same thing because you're going like, I don't, I can't believe it. This guy, this guy runs out to the ring and twenty thousand people go bonkers. They love this guy, like they loved him. Like I, I know it's like a thing that people say, but like that happens so rarely in this business where fans like love someone, right? Like they loved Bruno. And and I think, 
again, they just sort of go, okay, well, I guess we'll build around that, right? Like, we'll we'll build around that. People were paid to see Bruno beat someone. Great, let's bring in someone to beat. With Flair, it was like, and um, people will pay to see if someone can beat this guy. Right. Right. How do we how do we maximize that? And it that and therein basically is the to me is like the the worst kept secret about good booking is just like yeah, try to allow something to present itself to you first and go, okay, that's what the people are feeling. How do I sprinkle some fairy dust on that and make it bigger and better and you go from there yeah and i, I think one out. thing one thing that they used to do and that wwe's kind of hit gold on now with roman reigns is not having your title up every single show every single week right i haven't had an issue with the roman reigns title matches only on pay-per-views missing a couple pay-per-views here and there it wasn't a thing. Growing up in the 80s, you didn't see Hulk Hogan wrestle on every single show every week. And and it kind of got to where we were seeing that way too often throughout the late 90s, through the 2000s, up to the 2010s. And it, it was the same thing with you and you're running the NWA. You might have been at the vast majority of their shows, NWA Power, but you sure weren't wrestling on all of them. Right. And and so you're not oversaturating the fans with those same matches or whatever every single week. Because Yeah, and I think it, that it, I think that we just um or certainly then my 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 input was always uh the the uniqueness of the show and uh just the the, the overall sort of gathering interest will be enough to keep the momentum going for a while. Like we don't have to rush anything because as more people start to go, man, this is a fun show. Then more people start joining it and they're, and they're just, they're just excited about the, the, the format and style of the show as well. So you can kind of not get away with is the wrong word, but you can afford to, to, make let things breathe a bit more right because you go hey look let's not oh, that's just me with my business hat on yeah but it's like but hey if 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 they're already coming for this and that's you know we don't need to give them this this and this yet you know it's like uh, brian dixon you know the one of the most successful british promoters of all time probably the most successful british promoter of all time who i wrestled for full time you know when i first started in wrestling he would always say to me, like, always leave him wanting more. You know, it was like he, like it was kind of send him home happy, but always leave him wanting more. Don't let the show go too long. You know, don't, like don't go nuts. Like just get enough to get him there. And then, you know, save some. We're coming back. We're coming back in three months. We're coming back in six weeks. You know, like in some of those places, he was running them like once a month. And he's like, you know, let's leave them wanting more. You know, they're coming back. You always got to give them an angle to come back for. Yeah. And just, well, and it's also just understanding that they're going to be like, they're going to be satisfied with this, this, and this. Like that. Then now you've got, now you've got a selling point for the next time. You've got the things you didn't use yet. Um, and that's no different to a, a you know, musician with songs or, a comedian with jokes 
right? It's like, oh, I'm going to save some material. I've got some more material I'm working on for the next tour. <laughs> you know, like uh, we'll give you some greatest hits and some of our new stuff. But, you know, maybe the newest stuff, maybe that's the next tour. You know, it's just it's it's just show business. You know, it's like and um, I think that that was the thing that I, you know, really, really started to study over the last sort of five years and, and really tried to wrap my head around and, um, you know, pick the brains of so many guys from that era who really understood that mentality, like Ricky Morton, Austin Idol, you know, Harley when he was alive, like just, uh, you know, Dory, just getting to hear their philosophies and, and, um, just telling me about the sort of prevailing mentality of the promoters back then and the bookers back then. Like, that's what I like to, to pay attention to is like, how did the bookers know that this was the right way to do it? You know, how did they decide that this was the best idea? Again, just reverse engineering it. Yeah, exactly. That's how they knew. Well, <laughs> well no, you say that, but that's my point is because that's what they're thinking of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's their, that's their, that's the only or the strongest motivating factor, which is probably the biggest contrast between then and now, because the, the creative isn't always directly, uh, or at least in a completely straight line <laughs> connected to revenue. Right. Yeah. And that's pretty much the sort of long and short of it. Uh, when creative, when your revenue hinges 100% on the quality of your booking, you will book a better show. Correct. Um, so. Well, let's get back into Hogan here. Uh, I think once we roll into 1986, Vince realizes that Hulkamania is a force to be reckoned with, but I think he also realizes he might have a problem because he has a babyface champion that is bigger than most heels he has. So he has to start creating this monster factory. We start at WrestleMania two Hulk Hogan, defeating King Kong Bundy in a steel cage match. He is indeed the first of the monsters that Hogan has to come up against. Even though I think Hogan was about six inches taller than Bundy. Oh, easily. Yeah. Bun Bundy was a, was a large man. And I think this kind of kicks off Vince's fascination with the, the heel monster attacking Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. We go from, we go from what Bundy and you have Andre, you have big John stud. The next thing you know, you have one man gang, big boss, man, Akeem, whatever the case may well, be. This is, this is where it gets interesting with Bundy because it's almost like Vince's. I mean, Vince Hogan, Andre has got to be in his mind to some degree by now. Yeah, well, after seeing this match. Well, and they'd worked together. It, they'd worked together uh, uh, with the roles reversed. Yes, right. They did so. Shea. So you know, so they'd or, he'd already probably, you know, made a mental note that they had good chemistry and that Andre liked Hulk, you know, because and and that he had taken good care of him and was like he sort of put like you know when Hogan started getting really hot, he probably did start thinking, oh, this is perfect. Andre likes him. You know, I can talk Andre into when the time is right, doing the big favors and, you know, really like really passing the torch and like setting the tone. Maybe, I mean, I, I, 
you know, look, <laughs> there's the people have made a living trying to uh, analyze Vince McMahon's, you know, decisions, right? Like, because obviously, you know, he made the best decisions. He's, he, he's won the wrestling war forever. Right. So it's like, uh, I'm certainly not the first person, I'm, you know, to, to, to try to analyze Vince's thought process when it came to business, especially at that time. But I, I can't imagine that he'd had, you know, that he didn't have all that, mm-hmm. you know, swimming in his head, you know, when he's, but, and maybe that is why it was a steady stream of giants for Hulk. I think also you have to remember that the reason that Hulk got so over at that time was he fit perfectly with pop culture at that time muscle was back right action heroes we had arnold in the movies we had stallone you had you know you had like um bruce willis and all that you know you had uh you know muscle was sort of back in vogue well we'd gone from we'd gone from the sort of dustin hoffman's and sort of uh smaller you know kind of leading men and now we were back to like macho leading men yeah and I think that Hulk represented sort of wrestling's equivalent of that, like the ultimate superhero, like the, the sort of larger than life, you know, I'm super strong. I can kick everyone's ass and, you know, I'm, I'm the, and I'm the good guy. Uh, it all sort of fits. So the, naturally you go, all right, if he were a superhero, what would be the, what would, what would he be doing? Probably being some kind of giant monster. Yeah. Boom. There you go. Well, and I don't, I don't want to underestimate the impact of which we talked about Vince's mindset. Being on MTV was huge at mm. that point. Cindy Lauper Massive. did more for the WWF than half the wrestlers had done for the WWF at that point. Just providing that credibility. Yeah, but and and I agree with you. And but the the part of that that's also important is the fact that Hulk had enough credibility already that it didn't feel forced. Yes. Because you can pay a celebrity to say that your top wrestler is cool if you like. See Cindy Lauper endorsing Bob Backlund. Right, <laughs> exactly. It's like you know, it, there's a there's a different you know the people that people subconsciously know when they're being fed a sort of an organized campaign versus something they can feel. Oh wow, even Cindy Lauper likes Hulk Hogan, like. I knew I was right. I knew I was right to be a fan of Hulk Hogan because there were probably a lot of people who were like closet fans. Right. And again, this is where self-awareness is so important in wrestling because if you were too proud and not self-aware enough to go, you know, there are probably a lot of people who are fans, but they won't admit it. And we kind of need them to admit it if we're going to get more popular. And then you get, so then you get, okay, well, it's just, it was just, that was it was the 80s version of influencer marketing yeah yeah right i remember that very Hulk. well oh yeah he holsters the best you know lou albano and da, 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 and oh i hate that rowdy roddy piper you know and, and suddenly everyone's like oh my god she watches it like she watches she knows all the characters oh i don't feel like i don't feel weird about watching it anymore yay wrestling's cool yeah i remember i remember growing up in second grade i was so embarrassed to be a wrestling fan and so this is you're talking that we're like wrestlemania 4 wrestlemania 5 time frame because oh it's fake how do you watch that fake stuff and then as a kid you're like oh well, nobody why, why do i like this but i always it, liked it and it didn't it become like me. mainstream yeah until it Austin. happened to me at the end of the attitude era 
because or sorry at the at the uh, at the sorry at the end of the uh, the um, cartoony era into the attitude era. Like right. I, my friends made fun of me at school for being a wrestling fan because in their mind they associated it with being like childish. Like yep. you know, kids. My think, friends still make fun of me, but I. But now it's like, well ah, because but, you know. But then you think about it, like it was you know the the product was very much geared towards kids in the late eighties, early nineties. So then by the time you're in high school and you're like 12, 13, 14, it's like suddenly it's not so cool to, you know, but then suddenly half of these guys who once were like bubblegum, you know, red, white, and blue guys are now suddenly these like kick-ass rebels just at the time that you're transitioning into being a rebellious teenager. Suddenly I turn, I, I never forget, like I turn around, like it felt like one week everyone was making fun of me for being a wrestling fan. The next week they're all like, climbing up on those stairwells like doing the crotch job you know yeah yeah so i mean it, i i get that it's like you need something it's like once it catches fire in terms of pop culture it's like you've got to just you got to just do everything you can to just keep fanning those flames see i just didn't have any friends <laughs> you still don't it's yeah i was gonna say why are you speaking in the past tense <laughs> I walked into that one. Poor TJ. He said he said nothing for like ten minutes, and then the first thing, <laughs> first thing he does then, is lob up a big softball, and we shit all over him. This, welcome to the show, Nick. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. But I, shitting, all, shitting all over TJ is one of his yeah. unfulfilled sexual fantasies. Oh, yes. Cleveland I, steamer. Too much. That and and that. sandwiches. He likes sandwiches. I do like sandwiches. <laughs> I, I think what's interesting though is in between. So we uh, uh, we should mention Big John Studs in here too because the Heenan family. Mm-hmm. But in between Bundy and Andre at three, Vince sandwiches in Orndorf for the big yeah. event in Toronto in August of '86. Man, it was a great match. And that's that's what I'm wondering. So he he clearly has this this monster factory in in his mind. But yet he puts Hogan with a good worker. Now, granted, this card also had Steamboat and Jake in their mm-hmm. ridiculous feud they had in 86. Mm-hmm. They draw 61,000 people. Like I said, the match was great. But again, as we also mentioned earlier, this match ended by disqualification for the world title. And, I mean, we wouldn't see Hogan and, you know, a good worker this brought back up until five. Perf- perfect. Well, macho, yeah. Macho, yeah. I think it's well again that I think you have to ask the question was it deliberately a monster factory or was it more the, the mentality that I was just sort of uh pontificating might have been Vince's train of thought which was more like okay he's my superhero I have to now present supervillains yes and Paul Orndorff totally looks like a supervillain. He doesn't have to be bigger than Hogan, but he was so jacked and so crabby at that, you know, iron jaw. I mean, the, you know, his, his face looked like it was carved out of granite, right? Like he looked like a heel. Like he looked oh, yeah. like a bad guy in a comic book or a, or a um, action film, right? He would have been the bad guy because he would have been that one who was like a bit of a stick in the mud and a bit of a stiff, but then he suddenly <laughs> took off his shirt and he went, oh shit, he's jacked. Like, he could kick my ass. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, go get him. Go get him, Hulk. You know, like that's the mentality is it's, it's, I always say this to guys, like young guys who are, especially if they're, you know, trying to work on being a heel. 
And I just go like, look, before you start worrying about like the next steps, right? Like your branding and your signature moves and your signature names and your this and that, like just wrap your head around the basic concept is you want to be, do something to make people dislike you, right? So it's either being aggressive or obnoxious or arrogant or whatever, right? Some sort of quality that people don't like. Then present yourself as someone who the audience, a, a male in the audience might go, God, look at this guy. I'd like to kick his ass. But then you do just enough to make that guy think, well, I don't, well, I don't think I could kick his ass, actually. <laughs> I hope the baby face kicks his ass. Here, yeah. yeah, but that baby face is going to whoop his ass and that'll show him. Right. Like, that's the line you want to be finding. Flair was so great at that. Right. Because he'd feed and feed and bump and feed and bump and feed and sell. And then, he, you know, but right when the people are sort of going like, oh, anyone can kick Flair's ass. He turns it around. Boom. Bing, bing, bing. Hits a few things. There's a nice suplex, you know, hits a nice knee drop. You know, now he goes and looks over in the front row and goes like, oh, shut up, fat boy. That one was for you. Right. And everyone's like, ah, OK, OK, get him, Steamboat, you know. But see, this is where, as an adult, that I would like to have seen it go a different way than it did. So we have the main event, which is the most watched wrestling match of all, what was it, 33 million people tuned yes, in to yeah. watch Hogan Andre? NBC. That's absolute insanity. And that right there is why, if you have a Mount Rushmore of wrestling... Hulk Hogan has to be on that Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and Andre the Giant. Right. Yeah. 33 million people. Now, I want to say Austin's heyday was an episode of Monday Night Raw against The Undertaker, and I think they did 10 million. Yeah. That's not even a third. Yeah. So, but you have the main event. Andre the Giant defeats Hulk Hogan with the, the, the infamous referee mm -hmm. swap. Mm -hmm. which was brilliant. I, I Damn think. you, Dave Hebner. <laughs> brilliant. And immediately sells the WWF championship to Ted DiBiase. Now, this is where I think they got it wrong. They should have let that go and be. And let DiBiase get that little run in as champion. Yeah. I I, I can... I... I think I could tend to agree with you on that. I think they could have afforded to have a little bit of a chase right. for Hulk. Or right? Macho. And, yeah, or... or they yeah. could have turned this into Hulk and Andre are going back at each other. And now Savage is chasing DiBiase for the belt. Yeah. Because you could have easily had Hogan Andre at WrestleMania 4, just as it was in their tournament. Got rid of that silly tournament. And had a normal WrestleMania, and you could have had yeah. you could have had Savage and DiBiase, and it even I but even then I don't think it would have hurt had Savage not gone over there, because you could have always left the fans could have gone home happy with Hogan defeating Andre again. Yeah, I don't, I I can't think of anything to sort of immediately disagree with you. I mean, I just think that, um, I don't know all the circumstances, you know, that went into that, but it's certainly, it's certainly interesting to me to think, um, 
what could have been if they had taken, uh, you know, the formula they had with, with Hulk and then started to apply a little bit of the, of a more, let's say, Dusty Rhodes type formula, just and in just, just in dribs and drabs, you know, like yeah, okay, right. let's let him have a let's let's at least do six weeks of a chase, you know, something to sort of let the people, you know, before WrestleMania, right, before the big one, right, like for the first time, it's like he's he's you know he's actually he's got to chase the title, he's got to you know can he work his way back to being the best, you know? Hey, he was in Rocky Three which was what launched him, you know, to, to, to the next level in a lot of ways. And what happens in Rocky three, Rocky gets beat in the beginning so yeah. that he has to then push and work harder to get back because he knew that how many times were people going to come out to the movies to see him just train for a fight and win. Yeah. I, I kind of would have liked to have seen how it would have worked. Like if you could go back and redo time. Yeah. Andre sells the belt to DiBiase. And they give DiBiase a six-month run up to the first ever SummerSlam. And then that could have, you know, Macho could have gone over or whatever the case may be at SummerSlam. But you give DiBiase that run and let him use his money and use different tactics to keep that belt. I mean, how great would it be to have an episode of Saturday night's main event and DiBiase's in this match against some big star he's up against the ropes and it's going to happen and the next thing you know virgil comes out with money and pays the guy to lay down or whatever yeah there, there's so many ways you could have gone it with a character like Ted certainly with that certainly with that gimmick like right. it, with it with the way that the way that they're because again i always i'm going to keep going back to this but to understand the booking of that time period i really think you have to think along the lines of a superhero mm -hmm. like a superhero story it was like a like an episodic superhero uh tv show for kids if that's at least how you're booking the main event angle the hulk hogan like hulk hogan is pulling the wagon and we book hulk hogan like he's the superhero in 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 the movie or in the tv show so he can face adversity but ultimately he's a superhero he's special he's got special powers like you know, he's not the same as everyone else. Right. I think if you're always thinking like that, you kind of get a better idea of how certain things shake out the way they did. And I, 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 I just watched the, the dusty uh, biography, um, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, but they, they mention in that, about when Dusty was in Florida, like he would have to go away sometimes because nobody else could get over with Dusty was there. And maybe that was a concern here with, with Savage, with Hulk. It was well, like, that was kind of what Hulk did. He went away to make the movie. Well, then that when he made No Holds no Barred. No Holds right? Barred, yeah. Yeah. So that, so yeah. That's the perfect time to bring Savage in. Yeah. But to I'm going to play belt. devil's advocate here because I think it's, hilarious that you guys are second guessing probably the best long-term angle in wrestling history between hulk hogan and the macho man well, i'm not second guessing it I, it's more just <laughs> that a sort angle, of hey yeah. hyper, like what like what what would have happened had it because you can still get there yeah 
Like I don't, I don't think anyone. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think anyone is suggesting that that's not where you get to. It's yeah. more about could we have could we have had something with a bit more substance at WrestleMania four? Yeah, for WrestleMania Sammy four to win the title. Yeah, the, the you know, tournament. And then, like, well, you know, here, controversial question here. Not necessarily saying I advocate for this decision or not, but did you really need Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania four at all? No, no, no. Because it was a throwaway right. match. We could have right. It could like. It, it, you know, see nowadays, if Hulk had gone away for a while and stuff, they wouldn't have just like thrown him on WrestleMania. He would have been on Raw the night the night after. Yeah. He would have been the big like return and everyone and that because again, it's like the next night after WrestleMania, the first thing you got to do is go. All right, guys, hit now. Now here's what's on the menu. But I will say that at that point, as hot as Hogan was, I don't think there was a chance Vince was going to run a WrestleMania without Hogan on it. No. Well, that that's the that's the thing. That's what we're saying. It it does seem it, on the on the surface, you know, when you just say it out loud, oh, we should keep Hulk Hogan off WrestleMania. It's like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. See how see head. how that works. Like, yeah, like, the, the first go, yeah, go. primary pay per view. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's legit. <laughs> write write that down and then burn it. Uh, but if you'd had the, you know, what it's more of that thing of like. Look, Vince has had moments in his career, lots of them, where people have been like, "You're not serious," and he's like, "I'm dead serious." And then rolled the dice, and it were like, "This could have been one of those, maybe hypothetically." That's respectfully. I don't know if that's necessarily the same. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not putting it up against this. I'm just saying that was one. Like, did you really need to do a count on on this one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm saying more from the sort of gamble and and leave hogan away oh and and let savage win and and let like let savage sink or swim by himself without any sort of association with hulk and then if it works great now you you know now you now you built it and now you really know what you have but by sort of constantly intertwining them you know maybe 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 they didn't quite get as much juice out of that as they could have Who's to say? We'll never know. Wasn't Flair supposed to come into the WWF around? That was SummerSlam '88. Uh, Summer yes. Yep. The, the, I, I mean, I don't know how close it got, but yeah, there was there was that rumbling that it was close. My God, that would have changed oh, the landscape of wrestling. Good God! Oh no man, telling what would have happened then. How would that Can have shaped imagine? WrestleMania Five? Because I feel like Savage would have been ass out on that. Well, can you think of it this? Can you imagine if they'd have actually been able to pull it off, but then they'd they had booked it like Dusty would have booked it? You know what I mean? Mm. Like if they'd have put a bit of that Southern stank on it, with like <laughs> there was no chance. You know, you know what I'm saying. You can laugh, but you know exactly. Yes. You know what I'm saying when I say yeah, that. Absolutely. Like because I I to this day maintain that what one of the things that was able to happen during the attitude era to help bring it back to that same level of red hot popularity was Vince finally allowed the WWF to have a little bit more of that Southern stank, right? It had a bit more attitude. The, the angles were more personal and more, you know, realistic, more violent, more, where is that from? That is all lifted from, 
mid south, Memphis, Dallas. You know what I mean? Like Florida. Right. Like this I is was laid in, I was laid in bed. Southern yeah. stank, boy. Had that, I was, you I know, was had that NWA eighties. You know, and, and you think about it, Austin Taker, Sean, like all those, all the top guys that, who who helped usher in that era, and Brett with Calgary. They all loved the territories, and they all that's what their influence was. Yeah, I just literally just this past night I've been going through some uh, some sleep issues lately. I was laying in bed about two thirty this morning. I'd been laying there for about two hours and finally gave up. Turned on the old Peacock and started up Monday Night Raw from nineteen ninety seven. It was the episode right after uh, the pay per view where Undertaker and Mankind wrestled. Taker was the champion after WrestleMania, and Brett and Austin are in their feud. Brett and Austin fought the night before at the In Your House pay-per-view, and then they had a street fight on this Monday Night Raw. And Stone, it was when Brett was hurt. He hurt his knee or something, so they had to write him off TV or whatever. And Austin went to town on him with a chair. And as your babyface, and obviously Austin was a different babyface than everybody else was, but, I mean, it was, I had forgotten just how great that rivalry was. Because, I mean, there was, I don't know if, had Brett stayed in the WWF, you wouldn't have needed Mr. McMahon. Because the Brett-Austin rivalry was that good. That's that's an interesting take. That is. I, yeah. I don't know, man. That, that you, just think about it. 97. Had it. you been able to keep the USA versus Canada thing going. It was hot. Because it was white hot. Yeah. You wouldn't have needed Mr. McMahon. But I think it's a different kind of it's a different kind of heat. Would it have been enough? Would it? Well, here's the thing. Uh, ordinarily, I would have said you're certainly not wrong in the sense that there was a hell of a lot more juice in that lemon, right? But uh, would it have been enough to get people to come back from WCW? Because that's what you're dealing with at that point in time. You're dealing with the end of people who have gone over to the NWO and of seeing wrestling like they'd never seen it before. And look, people can debate till the cows come home about, you know, how much did Eric or, you know, really innovate or, you know, didn't innovate. Everyone seems to have a different, but I'm sorry, you cannot look at the WCW product in 1996 and compare it to the WWF product and not tell me that that, that was the beginning of the attitude era. Yep. Like, that oh, ushered course. in like the mentality absolutely so i think that if when they'd gone so far down that rabbit hole i don't know if a bad guy wrestler versus good guy wrestler was going to ever be the angle to get people back i think that in a weird way even though it wasn't planned they had to have that mr mcmahon thing because it was based off something that was real well here's like, the psychology of it no one has ever looked and said, hey, I want to punch a Canadian. But everyone has said, hey, I'd really like to punch my boss because he's an asshole. Well, and also just the, the other part of it is the fact that it was we were getting to that point where most of us had been watching wrestling as kids and now we're watching it as young adults and we're going like, we know this isn't real, but we're watching anyway. Oh, yeah. So then when something suddenly happened, where it was like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. That's what's that's the they like. Yeah, I mean, I remember going to high school. And people were like, no, no, like they no, they like really hate each other. Like in real life, you know, it was always well, there was always that thing of like this is in real life. That was happening in real life. 
that's well, what the same with the NWO. amazing swirl of like popularity was that that's everyone's the NWO. Like, like, we I, heard, know I heard that one guy did it for real, you know, and it was yeah. that's where it all came from. WWF's really there. They're taking over WCW. That was yeah. the first thing, Hall and Nash. WWF's taking over WCW. Well, and when obviously with the whole thing with Brett, it was like it was such an urban legend for like kids in school because we weren't all living on the internet. Like well, there was we no internet. Sort of, we were well, there was, there but was. we weren't. But we, but you know, it was like comic book guy from The Simpsons was sort of on there at that point, and that was about it, right? Well, it wasn't like it wasn't. Everyone wasn't privy to it. It was more like you'd have hearsay, like oh, like my 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 friend's older brother said that, like he read that. It's you know, and so it was always like Chinese whispers, you know, it'd be like. Oh, it's the different Ultimate Warrior. He's got, you know, the other guy died and he came back. You know, you know, just, it was all sorts of weird wrestling one. urban legends that. all the time, right? And it, that's what helped, I think, <laughs> peak the the swell. Well, you can't get like, highlights in your hair. Like, oh, Vince McMahon, like he really owns the WWF, and like he, you know, so he's he's like the real owner. So everyone went, oh wait, he's the real owner. I mean, I re- even like, I remember like some of my friends' parents at school telling me this stuff as if like I did, you know, as if like they were really in the know, like, you know, he really is the owner. And I'm like, yeah, I know. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> it just, it took on a life of its own. And I don't, I don't know if you'd have ever got that with a good guy wrestler against a bad guy wrestler. Not at that I point just, in time. I just, I don't know if you'll ever have anything work out as perfect as you did with the WWF in 1997 with, the, the USA versus Canada, where if you're an American wrestler, you are now a heel anywhere else in the world, especially oh, yeah. in Canada. And uh, if you're a Canadian wrestler, you're a heel in the US. But not only that, but that whole summer, they were running shows all throughout the United States and Canada. So yep. Raw, one week would be in Pittsburgh, the next week it's in Toronto, the next week it's in Detroit, then it's in Calgary. And, it's, and it just worked out absolutely perfect. And you yeah. couldn't have scripted it any better there, there was there was definitely a golden opportunity there to change the way that you book wrestling to almost make it like team sports like you could have you they could you could have really that could have provided it provided a dynamic that no one had ever had their got their hands on before where this this one guy was so popular in <laughs> anywhere except the u.s and then was hated in the u.s like it as a as a character depth you know like there was um there was really nothing that could touch brett in 97 as far as like a compelling character uh that felt so real because it was you know, I've talked to Brett about that, and you know that's the thing he said is because he, he, it was it was it was so special because it was all so real. Like we we were just really trying to sort of feel every single week, like you know what people were really feeling, and just kind of treating it like he goes, I just would treat it like it was a shoot. You know, that's that's basically Brett's work in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and that's why he was so good. That's why I admire him so much. Well, Nick, I hate to do this, but uh, we're out of time tonight. Got to leave him wanting more, right? I, I think we're going to have to uh, schedule a Legends Let's Rethink This Part 2 with Nick Aldis. I, I think I'm going to make that work. 
and, and some, come back and something. do some more because I think we all went in depth a little bit more than what we were originally planning. Yes. I have a, I have a tendency to get into the weeds. Well, I think we call it, ourselves blowhards. If you, then, if Nick, if you had known, I don't, I don't want you, I don't want you to blow me harder or <laughs> you wouldn't imagine how in. many text messages the, that I have gotten throughout this first. show talking about how great you are and people are loving this. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and end it right here. Pin it. We're ready for WrestleMania five. We'll come back at another time. We'll promote it all out and we'll come back and we'll start at WrestleMania five and we'll, and we'll work our way up to that next. I mean, we're talking three, four year run here and then we're good to go, but I, I don't see how you're going to be able to, to top the conversation that we had tonight because this has been awesome. Yeah, it was and, a lot of fun. I appreciate and it. Us here with Filter Free Podcast and the Filter Free Network, we can't thank you enough for the time you spent with us. And before we get out of here, I can't help but keep looking at your name on the screen. Is there something you would like to plug, maybe yes. with a code impact somewhere? Well, I appreciate you bringing that up, Timmy. Yeah, no, like many of you know, I, I, uh, my, my <laughs> other, my other passion besides wrestling is uh, my supplement company, Legacy Sports Nutrition. Uh, we're we're experienced. We've have thousands of satisfied customers across the U.S., across North America, across the world. And um, our best-selling test booster, Test X9, and our best-selling Sleep Aid Recovery PM are both uh, products that I use every day. Uh, and uh, and hear so much great feedback. Actually, when I was in Texas um, uh, on, last week, uh, one of the guys on that show. Uh, came up to me and said, "Oh, I've been I've been looking forward to meeting you for so long. I've been using Legacy Subs for like three months, and I've lost thirty pounds." I'm going like, "Wait, what? Holy shit, that's awesome!" I've been meeting people at WrestleCon. I shared one of their stories again. A, 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 um, a, I got a guy called Jay who's uh, been using the products for about a year and is down like fifty pounds and ten inches on his waist. Uh, so just. Really pleased with the progress of it. And uh, to celebrate my return to Impact, uh, we've activated code IMPACT at LegacySupps.com for 20% off your entire order. Uh, these are products that I use myself. The women's line are products that Mickey uses herself. She curated them, designed them. I curated and designed uh, all the other products. We are uh, very passionate about this. And um, if you're looking to level up your health and well-being and performance, uh, give us a shot at LegacySupps.com. Yes, and that's, that's Legacy Supps, and that's S-U-P-P-S. LegacySupps.com. Use code IMPACT for 20% off. Gents, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to go and uh, eat some dinner and then get a very, very early night because I am not as rock and roll as I once was. Go to bed, <laughs> Mr. On Fumes. I will. All right. Thanks, Thanks Nick. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Nick. <laughs>